Super 90s Brothers. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer. Along with me is Adam J. Pitzler. How's it going, buddy? The King of Crash. The Sultan of Swat. The Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of Clout. You should have let me say that part. Why do you get a... I didn't know you were... We don't have a script. Again. Because, uh, like, that's what they say in the sh- in the movie. Like, the brother repeats them, you know? Would you uh, have repeated yourself if I didn't... I, I would have, well, I would have, I was going, I was waiting for the buildup and I was going to repeat you. All right, so. well, sorry. I mean, I, I, I the Colossus of Clout. I missed the alley oop. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm the point guard and I missed the alley oop. It's on me. <laughs> well, how's it going? It's, uh, it's been a while. It has been a while, stained. Um, no, it has. Uh, I went on, um, I went on a cruise to Alaska for a week. And then we filmed one show, and it had corrupt audio file, and we both got bitter about it for a couple weeks, I think. <laughs> so that's why we haven't had a show in a while. Uh, yep, that is correct. We uh, we just, it, you know, we I was thought about it today. We've done like probably I don't know fifty or so shows um, of, of like our old show and this new show, and um, we've never had a bad show. Um, that I mean we probably have had bad shows. We've, we've had never plenty had... of bad shows. We never had bad audio shows. We've never had bad audio. We've never had well, that, actually. Like... Actually, we've had bad audio shows. <laughs> so oh, that's not, true. It's not this bad, right? Um, and so yeah, um, something happened with our audio, and uh, maybe we'll do Super Smash Brothers again sometime. But for right now, um, we're continuing on. We're starting. We're starting anew, and uh, and I, and we're. It's the summer. It's June. Um, baseball is in full swing, <laughs> um, and you know, no better way than to start with a great summer baseball movie. But before we do that, let's uh, let's thank our fans and let's just thank our fans. Thanks for everyone that's been listening to the show. I've been uh, been checking the uh, the the old stats, and we, you know, people are still listening to the show even though we haven't posted in about a month and a half. Um, what, what does that tell us? That our involvement is not directly related to any success, which is something you and I both knew deep down, but now everyone knows it's in the data. <laughs> so thank you for continuing listening. Friends, family, other fans that uh, you know are people listening that, to the show. People that find us randomly at 3 a.m. when they're alone and there's no one to talk to and they Google some search word that pops up with one of our keywords and suddenly they're listening to me and Brennan's voice while they cry themselves to sleep at 4.45 to go to their dead-end job the next morning. We want you. You're our people. <laughs> for sure. Thank you. And, uh, you know, um, look for us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, we don't really aren't really as active there as we should be, but we will be after this show. Um, and get on iTunes and review us. Uh, we need we need your reviews to, to go up in, this, uh, in the iTunes stats. Um, so the way iTunes works, guys, is if you get X amount of reviews, then you appear in more searches. And right now, I don't, I don't know how many reviews we have. I feel like we've got like, I don't know, 11 or 12, and we got to get beyond 20. So we're looking for like 10 stud fans to get online and give us an iTunes review, like a legit iTunes review, a five-star review, guys. One-star reviews don't do us any good. So don't think you're being cute by going online and giving us 10 one-stars. We need 10 five-star reviews, and then you can help us reach more ears. For sure. That would be that would be a very appreciative. And you know, and review us other places, too, like Facebook and SoundCloud and, you know. Inside bathroom stalls. Like wherever, wherever there's a marker and a palette, I want Brennan's name plastered. Absolutely. 
Um, so yeah, well, um, well, this week we're going to be like I said, I teased it a little bit. You teased it a little bit. I think people know what we're doing. Uh, we're doing well. It is it is on the title of the podcast that they click on to listen. So it's hard not to know at this. Well, point. I you know I think I named this show something differently. I think this is. Uh, some other that's just stupid if you name it something differently we're not going to get anybody they're like i never fucking heard of that and they're just going to click through <laughs> okay so this this week we're doing the sandlot the ow the one of my favorite 90s sports movie uh, right up there with uh the mighty ducks uh two <laughs> you're I'm, joking you i'm slightly ducks. joking i we haven't done any Mighty Ducks yet. We'll do Mighty Ducks eventually. Uh, but We'll do Mighty Ducks 1. Mighty Ducks 2 does not deserve to be on our podcast. <laughs> not while I'm a part of it. God damn it. Um, so, yeah. We're, the Sandlot. The, one of the, I would say, easily wow. one of the, the best kids, summer, sports movies of all time. Like, I don't... Of June. Well, of I don't know. I, I really feel like, I mean... I, how many qualifiers do you need? It's one of the best I mean, sports yeah, movies like, ever. Bad News Bears, I would say it's up there with that. Um, yeah, Bad News Bears, Major League, and, you know, The, the Sandlot. Sandlot. I, I mean, I think our generation especially, really, like, this is a movie that I watch probably once every year. Like, and it's on TV a lot. Like, you can find it. Um, it's on – it's been on the streaming services. It's like AB – it's like – on like ABC Family and Fo- or Fox, Family, and it's literally it one of those time. movies that you can pick up in the middle of it and know exactly where the movie's yeah. at. Um, totally, and and also it's one of those movies. It doesn't matter if you miss part of it; the rest is still fun. It's not like a, it's not like a mystery novel where you have to have the beginning clues to understand the ending. It's just fun the whole way, for sure. And um, yeah, just a, it's just a really good, really good time. Um, all right, so so Brennan, when did you first see The Sandlot? Do you remember where you were as a little boy, Brennan? Gosh, I 1993, summer of 1993, I was living in Spokane, uh, and I do not know where I was at. The summer of 1993 wasn't a lockout. wasn't that the lockout, but the MLB, uh, that wasn't it, was it? No, was that, that was 94. Okay, so yeah, I was definitely in Spokane. Um, and I don't know if I saw this movie in the theaters or not. I really don't. I don't remember if I, if I, if I saw it, did you see in the theaters? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Yeah. So the sum that summer, the, the local movie theater at the SeaTac mall where my mom works and was near our house, they had this like awesome thing called like, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it was like kids summer movie craze or something like that. And like every Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it was, my mom would take me to go to this movie theater and there would always be two different kids movies playing and you got to pick one or the other. Like there was only two options. And that summer I saw just a slew of like fun kids movies with her. And it was like, this was a really fun time. It was like, it was just me and my mom. You know, I didn't have to bring my big sister. My, my fucking dad didn't come. That's for sure. So it was just us. And like every week there was some new fun kids movie that I was seeing usually for the first time. I saw like Muppet Christmas Carol that that year. I saw Mom and Dad Save the World that year, and I saw this. And I, there were probably a few others, but those are the three I definitely remember going and seeing for this little program. And it was so cool because it was like it was like cost friendly for for families and kids, and they would give you like these little like 
smaller popcorns and treats and things that were like really, really discounted. So it was like really affordable. So my mom was always wanting to take me because it was such f- good fun. And I remember walking out of like we saw this movie and we like loved it. And my mom like loved it. And like as a kid, I knew that if my mom liked a kid's movie, it meant it wasn't just good for me. It was like actually a good movie. And that that started like like a love affair with this movie. Like uh, it was some, it was one of those things where we weren't watching them as these movies were coming. We weren't watching them as these movies were coming like live for the first time. It was sort of like their second run, kind of like Garland, you know, it's like the second run of these films that you would see them through this little program. So I didn't see it right when it first came out, but I saw it like shortly thereafter. And then I remember renting it that summer and showing it to my sister and she like loved it. And then we like bought it on VHS, like as soon as we could. So I have like, I've had the Sandlot in my life forever and I've seen it like 50 times. Yeah. I, um, it, it can't. So looking back on like kind of, you know, the details of the Sandlot, it came out in April, um, April 13th of 1993, um, which makes sense. Cause that would have been the beginning of uh, baseball season. So it was very, very timely. And uh, you know, I, I, I might've went and saw it at the Garland, like the discount theater in Spokane. Um, but I just, my memories of seeing it are having it on a VHS and watching it all the time. Like, cause this is like, this was my summer when I was a kid, I played baseball all summer. Um, I lived in a cul-de-sac and so we would, and there was like, it was me and another kid my age. And then all the other kids in the cul-de-sac were like my brother's age. So they were like six and seven. And so play baseball with them, like throw them baseballs and they would hit. Um, and like, but we would like, we would just play a t- I played a ton of baseball. I was playing catch every night. So, so you were like the creepy older kid in this group. You were like Bertram. No, it was just like you live in a cul-de-sac and like there's all these little kids around and they just want to play baseball and we're just like we throw them pitch. It's probably why they were all so good at baseball. Like every one of them in the cul-de-sac. They- You're taking credit for them. The, cre- the creepy Bertram kid did not make Benny <laughs> the Jet Rodriguez, okay? Um, but yeah, it was uh, – it- and I also went and play, and I also played like in Babe Ruth, and um, just played played a ton of baseball. Um, 1993, actually. Now that I think about it, was the summer I went to um, my first baseball camp. It was like a week long camp in the middle of Washington, and I, and I and you stayed in like a big gym, and it was like, uh, and I was like, wow, 1993, I would have been like nine years old at the time. Um, so I, my parents sent me, sent me on like a, like on a, to a camp, like by myself, um, where I learned how to. So this must have, this, this must have been at the end of our third grade year. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds right. So your magical summer was between third and fourth grade is what you're saying? Yeah, probably. I mean, like I, you know, all the summers of my elementary, of when I was like in elementary, were all very yeah, but, fun. Like they're all. Yeah, but there's that one that you remember above the rest. The one that, for whatever reason, there was just more kids available, or there was more games, or whatever it was. There's one summer as a child that's special above the others before middle school, in my opinion. That would probably Is that it? would probably be 1995 when I I we had moved away from Spokane for a year. We had moved to Chicago. Um, for my dad's job. And then we, then we decided, Hey, we don't like Chicago. We're going to move back to Spokane. And in ni- the summer of 1995, I just like, I very extended uh, summer that year. Cause I like left my school in Chicago 
And then I came back to Spokane and like, I didn't have to go. I went to school for like two weeks in Spokane. Um, and then I got out and like, it was, yeah, that, that summer. And I played a lot of baseball, made the all-star team. Um, so it, it was, uh, it was a fun summer. Okay. But it wasn't the Sandlot summer. So you've just, it wasn't the Sandlot summer. Point. It wasn't, I mean, okay. All right. Well. I mean, I think I speak for everyone that I say that it, I don't. No one cares. Then if we're talking, I think we're talking about baseball summers. It's like playing baseball. That's what I did all summer when I was a kid. I played so much baseball. Right now, we've established that you were Bertram. So. I also play. I also played baseball with kids my own age. I just it was it was just like sure, it was just sure. like it was just like my brother and my had my younger brothers and like they were playing baseball too and. um you just had this built-in group of all these kids who just played baseball. Um, How much older are you than Evan, your youngest well, brother? Well, I'm. I think I'm. He was born '91. I'm '84. Like so, seven years, seven, eight years. That's significantly older. That's not. That's like then, Bertram's can you dad. Stop making it so creepy. Kids, the- like I like watch my. I watch. <laughs> You're like 17, played with 10 year olds at baseball. You're like, whoa! I'm so good. I made the all star team. I made the all-star team for Babe Ruth. Like, uh, okay. Sure, sure. Um, I was very, I was, uh, when I was young, I was, I was very not amazing at baseball, but I was a pretty decent baseball player. I could pitch really well. I had a, all right, well, we've established that Britain played a lot of baseball in the summer. So back to the Sandlot. What's your, what's your most appealing thing about the movie to you? I, I think it's just, how uh, the, I think it's just how fun it was. Like, it's just like, it's just good, clean fun. Like, it, like, and there's like, but they even like, but it, I say good, clean front, but this was like, this movie was made before, you know, all the PC stuff was happening. If this movie was made today, there's been, there'd be a lot of things that wouldn't be in it. Like probably doing, and then like the, <laughs> the scene where smalls, uh, Kisses a lifeguard like without her squints. Oh, sorry, not small squints. 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 Thank you. Uh, thank you. He um, like so. There's a lot. It's good to clean fun, but it, it was portrayed in a way that was like a little bit on the edge. I guess I don't know. It was fun. Not on the edge. On the edge. You're talking about the tobacco. You say the mm-hmm. tobacco thing. Was that the first thing you said? Yeah, so you're saying they'd cut the tobacco and they'd cut Wendy Prefercorn in a 2018 remake. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. I, maybe. Maybe you're right. Yeah, you're probably right. That's that's sad. But I mean, this was set. What wasn't it set in like the early 60s? Uh, I would say probably late. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe mid late 60s. Yeah. Or I don't know. All right. Well, I, to, I I think you're onto something about the funness of it all. Like the the most appealing thing about it to me was always like sort of the flow of the movie like it's got a great pace you mm-hmm. know what i mean like at the very like it like gets right into it like the very first scene is like it's like the kid it's like the end of school and suddenly like he's you know he's tiptoeing into some strange kid some strange other kids field to play baseball like it just begins automatically and then you meet these kids and you realize the main kid kind of sucks and he's playing with like a rubber or was it a plastic mitt and uh, you learn his family dynamic real quick. He gets a black eye from Dennis Leary, who's always drunk and violent and rescue me and his other stuff. So I don't know why he'd be any different here. And uh, you get right into the little kids playing baseball and you learning their dynamics. And then the fun campfire story and you learn about the beast and 
everything builds on top of each other so well, like like Lincoln Logs. You know, it's just it's such a it's such a well crafted child story, and I think I, I've never met anybody that didn't like it. I've met people that think it's a little overrated, like because you know guys like us are like, oh, it's the best movie ever. And if you didn't grow up with it, and then you see it for the first time, and you're like 20, and you're like, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's good. I mean, that's probably how I'd feel. But I've never heard anybody say they didn't like it. Like it's just like universally well received, and that's so hard to do with a kids movie, with a sports movie, and with any movie in general. Yeah, it's uh, it really like the, you're right. Like the the flow of the movie, like it goes from point A to point B to point C, and it like builds up this entire like you know the story of it. I mean, the story of the movie is all based around this kind of junkyard dog in the back of the back of the sandlot that eventually. Is, is involved in the climax of it, but like yeah, but- everything about it, like there's all these, like, but there's all these, these other little stories in it as well. Like it's. Yeah, well, the first half of the movie really doesn't have much to do with the dog at all. You know, the first half of the movie is just you learning about this kid and these other kids and you're just having fun with them in the summer. That's like all that's happening. I mean, they're going on roller coasters, they're playing baseball, you know, they're going to the pool. Well, if you, if you remember the first scene where like, um, where they, what's his name? Uh, Ham hits a home run, and then they're like all like throwing. Th- I don't know if that's like the first baseball scene, but like they they build it up. Anyways, uh, besides the point, it's just it's just really good. Like the the writer, um, uh, David uh, David Mickey Evans, the writer and director David Mickey Evans, like this did a really good job of of making this. And I I I was looking at his. IMDb and like looking at all the movies he's done. He did uh, Radio Flyer, which was like kind of, um, which is really is an intense movie. Um, He he also did the movie Ed, um, which is that stupid movie I've never seen with Matt Matt LeBlanc, and and it has like a first chimpanzee who joins the baseball team. Uh, (laughs) So like he did made this. He made two really good. Uh, he made two really good movies in radio, like wrote two really good movies in Radio Flyer and then Sandlot, and then like he never, he never really did anything else. You know, a lot of like, ri- a lot of writers don't have more than one or two hits. Is, is okay? Is that is that what happens? Yeah, only like and, the best of the best can just churn out new story, new story, new story, new story, and have everybody like it. Like I bet you this guy had like a really special connection to like his childhood and sports. And he was able to channel a bunch of shit from his own, like, you know, past into these movies mm-hmm. that made it so fun and relatable. But, and that's not, that's not all that unique. People being able to channel from their own experiences into a script or a story that other people like. But, like, the best screenwriters and storytellers, they, they just write shit that people love. And it doesn't even, like, like, guys, like, as an example, somebody that writes action movies, like, really well, probably has never really lived through a lot of that kind of <laughs> shit. You know, the guy that wrote Bad Boys probably never really got into any situation even close to what happens in bad boys. So that's just like good writing. Whereas this guy's like, he's more of like an emotional storyteller. And I think Sandlot is very emotional to people because it's, it's it's so easy to relate to those kids, especially if you're like a a guy and you, you remember this little camaraderie that you would have with your friends during the summer when there was like no rules and no parents around. It was just so, it's such a magical time that you really can't ever recapture once you grow out of it. It's like literally impossible to get it back. So you, you uh, romanticize. Yeah, that. I mean, I definitely romanticize my like summers growing up. Like as I talked about earlier, like it, it is like it. 
I think even like in the nineties life was still kind of at this pace. Like, yeah, you intermix like some like other forms of like entertainment with like video games, but like I was still outside every day playing video games, not playing video games. I was still outside every day playing baseball, playing football, like riding my bike around the neighborhood. Like, um, and I imagine you would probably have a similar, did you, were you, did you have a similar summers when you growing up? Yeah, well, there was one summer in particular, but it was the summer after fourth grade. And I had like a Sandlot summer of my own, but we were playing tackle football Mm. instead. So we played tackle football all the time at this one field. All these kids in the neighborhood, we would all meet up like every day at like 10 a.m. And we'd play tackle football for a few hours. Then we'd go to like somebody's house to go swimming or play video games or we'd go to the lake. Like it was just like one of those storybook summers that I, I know that'll never get back. And it was so special to me. And it's one of the reasons why I've always like loved football. It's one of the reasons why I've always loved playing tackle football with my friends. There's something, there's something romantic about it to me. There's something, you know, in the sense that it's this beautiful thing from my childhood that I, that I hang on to that I know I can't really get back. And so I, you know, I put it on some pedestal and it means more to me than it does to others. Right. For sure. And I think that's why, that's why everyone loves Sandlot. Um, favorite, so favorite characters who, who do you like the most in these movies? Well, I mean, you're pretty. You're wrong if you don't if you don't say Ham Porter, right? Like Ham the the catcher, Ham Porter is the funniest kid. Like he he's he's and he's so like me because he was chubby. He was always talking shit, and I'm not chubby anymore. But I was totally chubby as a kid. He was always talking shit to everybody, and he's a big talker. Like he just and he and he didn't like. He didn't, he didn't suffer fools very well either. Like at the campfire scene when they're explaining about the beast and somebody would say stupid shit or somebody would have a dumb idea, like Ham puts them in their place. You know what I mean? And I was always kind of like that. So, I mean, Ham Porter's great. I mean, the main kid is, is likable, but the, probably the next favorite kid is Squints, you know, because he was just so funny and goofy looking. And he pulled that awesome stunt with Wendy Prefercorn. <laughs> like he's just, like th- those two are just awesome. What about you? Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'm, I'm very opposite of you. I really, I really love the all American boy and Benny, the jet Rodriguez. I really just like the all, go ahead. The all American. Well, you know, <laughs> the all American Hispanic kid. <laughs> well, he was just, you know, he was just a good, you always wanted to have a friend like that. Like you always wanted to have a friend that just like accepted you no matter what. Um, and I had, I just like, he, he, there's something very, likable about him he's probably the most like imperfect not the most imperfect character but he did he's the least dimensional character in the whole movie because like uh smalls has problems like ham and squints like they're just kind of they're just lovable characters but and they have like and then everyone else in the movie is just kind of just background but like he is like he's he's just everything he's done is perfect in the movie he's never like really that like that bad except for the one like he did he could he should have been the guy saying like no we shouldn't be putting uh tobacco we shouldn't be like chewing tobacco right now <laughs> but uh i i see what you mean but I like mean, I, he would but like, for that for that reason he's uninteresting to me like i like to me he's more of like a plot device he, he's he's mythical he's something that i can't relate to because i didn't know any kids like that i didn't know any kids that were just perfect all the time they were like the best at sports they were like good looking they were likable you know you know and they always said and did the right thing i didn't know any kids like that growing up did you 
there were some kids in my neighborhood that like they would you'd go hang out with and like I wouldn't like I'd go play baseball with them and I'd be like, man, the kids, that, the kids that were like seven years younger. Can you than you? stop? Can you like, stop? It's kid. just like it's it, you're beating. You're really like you're really killing. You're really killing right, this. It's like, over. It's over. It was. I was. I was being like a good like role model. <laughs> As you like, we're hitting grand slams against the six year olds. <laughs> like, I, yeah, like, I spent so much time like hitting these kids ground balls, throwing pop up flies to them, like. I mean, it was just like you, you just hung out with like, you hung out with who was ever around you. And like, we would, we, me and my friend, we we would split the teams up where he'd be on a team. I'd be on a team and like, uh, and we'd always pitch and like, we just let these kids like do BP all day. Like we like eventually got to the point where we couldn't hit the ball anymore because there's too many houses. The houses were too close. And so, um, but yeah, it was just like, it was, it was more like you were just like kind of like watching these kids and like they would just come out and play and like we would, and everyone was just playing baseball. But, um, but yeah, there was kids in my neighborhood that were, that were like him. That, that would be very like that. There's a one kid in particular. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Casey Armstrong. Do you remember Casey Armstrong from high school? He was like, no. uh, he was a really good baseball player and in, in like the, third fourth grade like he was just like a he was kind of like him but yeah there that the person doesn't really exist um and but you know i thinking about that character about benny the jet Rodriguez is casting him like so obviously the the movie takes place in um la um and I, you know what i i wonder you know what went into like thinking like hey we should cast uh you know, a, a Hispanic, a Hispanic kid for this. Like, obviously, it's off his name. He could have just been, you know, Benjamin the, Benny the Jet Smith. You know, but like they decided to make him, you know, Hispanic. Why did you? Why do you think they did that? Uh, well, any any good casting agency knows that a little more diversity in your film sells to a few more people. They've got, you know. Brandon Adams is, you know, the African-American kid pitcher and their best player. I mean, like most sports, their two best players are ethnic. <laughs> They've got the Hispanic kid who's their best hitter and the black kid who's their best pitcher. So, I mean, that's that's about how every sports team I was ever on was like. So, And, 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 and also, I do think it's just smart casting. You, you spread out the ethnicities a little bit and you get a few more kids interested. If it's like 10 white kids, you know... You, you probably get some ethnic family go pass. You know what I mean? Right. Who could blame them? I mean, I, I mean, I think it's cool. I, I mean, I, I just thought it was interesting. Another interesting thing about the two players that we named, uh, Benny the Jet, and then you mentioned uh, Brandon Adams, who uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny De Nunez in the in the movie. Um, he, they, they were both in. Uh, they're both in uh, Mighty Ducks too. <laughs> Um, I wish you'd stop bringing up Mighty Ducks. Too. Like we're to have <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I like Mighty Ducks uh, too so much is because because uh, Benny the Jet and uh, and their th- those two characters are in it. Um, they were both barely in it though. At least Brandon Adams was kind of like a solid character in Part One. Benny the Jet and Brandon Adams were barely in Part Two. And Part Two just. Part two sucks. There's like 800 kids. It wasn't until like later until like probably like IMDB age that I actually even found out that like those two characters played the same two characters. Like, I don't know how I didn't notice that. Anyways, uh, 
but yeah, uh, those, and I think we should mention Smalls as like a he's like he's the he's a narrator. He's uh, he's just kind of I mean he's he, and he's very likable. Um, so we have a favorite, yeah, yeah, exactly. So favorite scenes like that's one of them, obviously. Like, um, yeah, the campfire story in the in the treehouse where they talk about the beast and it's all like big and it's forever. Like that that scene is awesome. And then the my favorite one of my favorite scenes is when the the rival kids from across the tracks like pull up in their bikes and they're all they're all wearing uniforms. They've all got nice bikes. And like uh, they start playing that music, and they all kind of square off. And Hamilton and the other kids start insulting, like have this insult war. And then they go and they play baseball, and like our, you know, the main team like kicks the shit out of them. And then they go have this awesome, you know, fun night at, you know, at the fair or the carnival or whatever. Like that, that little stretch is my favorite. When they have the rivalry with the kids and they have the insult war and they kick the shit out of them on the field. Like mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I my my favorite scene is. I really enjoy the whole chase scene. It's uh, it's kind of funny and kind of dumb at the same time. But I like the ending of the chase scene where they, so they've they've they built up this entire movie to this this mean dog, and then the the fence falls on the dog, and after they like they chase him all the way back to where they're originally at the sandlot, and so the the fence falls on the dog and they lift it up and. Then the dog like this gives uh, Smalls like a humongous kiss, and then it turns out that like the house that they've been hitting all these balls into is like some great amazing Negro League player, and uh, they like learn like his story and about how like about baseball and everything, and it, and it kind of just like I just thought that was really cool. I just I thought it was a really good good scene. Yeah. It was a good twist, I'd say, because you, you have, like, this enemy, right? The whole movie, and then the, the script flips, and suddenly the enemy is like, okay, and you didn't really understand Mr. Myrtle at all. Squints was just talking shit. <laughs> like, Mr. Myrtle's actually a nice guy, so who knows where Squints got that at the beginning, where it's like, forget about it, Smalls. It's not an option to talk to Mr. Myrtle. Um, and the Bull Mastiff, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, I don't... So... About a month ago, I went and spent the weekend with my parents in their, like, fishing cabin near Mount Rainier. And my stepsister and her family came, and they have, a like, a full-grown bull mastiff. And it's like, I, like, forgot how giant these dogs are. And, like, giant, slobbery beast of a dog. Like, he was a sweetheart. Like, he was, like, he was a total chicken shit. Like, he wasn't intimidating at all once you got to meet him. But he was so big and muscular and slobbery. Like, it's, like, it's just, like, the perfect dog as to play this role, you know what I mean? And, and, and as a kid, it never even really crossed my mind that the whole legend of the dog was sort of like a fable, you know, like he wasn't really that, like it was like a tall tale, like Paul Bunyan. It never really crossed my mind. I thought they were like legitimately dealing with like some supernaturally big dog. (laughs) And so then at the end, when you realize they're just kids and they've, they've built it up in their heads much more than it is. And this is real life not only do you not only is it like a twist but you sort of like learn a lesson about being a kid and you're learning it while you're a kid which i thought was yeah i feel like there was always uh when you you say about smalls and like i i had a friend that just bs everything and just made up stories about everything about like places that you couldn't go like in the neighborhood like there's some weird house over there and you 
I don't remember like the stories that he made up, but like there's always I knew I had a friend that was like just a big BSer. Um, I knew kids like that. They weren't my friend. There was always some like asshole kid on the corner that would talk about haunted houses and um, shit. But but yeah, I mean like this. So, yeah, so it's a movie. Yeah, I think we've already, I think we've already like ex- answered this. Yeah, but let's talk. Let's talk about the second part of that. So. So, is the movie still watchable for, like, 10-year-old kids who are seeing it for the first time today? They're picking up a copy of the original Sandlot, putting it in their DVD player, and watching it today, and they have no background knowledge. Do those kids like it? That's the question. Uh, I think so. I think this was a really well-done, like, period, like, movie. Like, it's set in the 60s. Um, All the pieces in the movie are very, like, 60s-ish, and... I think it really, I, I think you can, I, I think a kid today could watch it and be like, that's what I want to do. I want to go outside and play baseball. And like, you can still do this. Like you can still, kids today could still, could still do this. And um, so, yeah, I think it's very, and I think it's very relatable too. Like, and I think the historic aspect of it, like every, most kids who are into baseball know who Babe Ruth is. Um, I knew who Babe Ruth was. It wasn't like the first time I'd ever heard of him. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, I think I'll show it to Lincoln Ivy and I think, I, I think they'll totally love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that remains to be seen. I look forward to your, um, what, you got to let them get to be like six or seven years old first and then show it to them. And then I look forward to hearing from you after that takes place. All right. Well, we'll talk in uh, about four years. Yeah. All right. And not before. All right. So, <laughs> what about what about <clears throat> the cast? Um, so one thing, one problem with like kids in movies is they often get labeled or associated with that one role, and it gets really difficult for them to kind of dig their way out of that one role. And it doesn't have to be kids, but like like Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, you know, stuff like that. People get like labeled as this one role. I mean, Sandlot definitely did that to a handful of these kids. Like you were the kid from Sandlot. Like, you were Ham Porter or Squints from Sandlot. I'm not saying none of them ever did anything else, but I would struggle to say that they escaped that. I, I would say they struggled to escape that label a little bit, a lot of them. So, like, could, can you name a few times you saw some of these actors in other films, like, that either you liked or that you you had a tough time getting over the fact that they were the kid from Sandlot? Yeah, um, I remember the first time, I remember I saw, went and, went to, um, the movies with Abby and we went and saw mystic river and, you know, mystic river had this all this Oscar buzz. And, um, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, smalls shows up in the movie. And I was just like, that's, that is, that is smalls from the Sandlot. And, uh, I don't remember. Smalls is like, smalls is like the boyfriend of the girl that gets killed. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and his little brother, who's like deaf or something, did it right. I, I don't remember the the entire like plot of Mister Grimmer, but yeah. Well, I'm pr- I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure that Tom Geary, the guy who played Smalls, his girlfriend is the missing girl in Mystic River, and his little brother, who's some kind of special needs I can't remember, is the one who killed her. Okay, yeah. He thought his big brother was running away with her, and his little brother couldn't let that happen because his, bre- his the little brother's big brother was all that the little brother right. had in his life. That, that sounds. So yeah, I saw him in that. Um, I saw like I saw him in that. He, he 
out of all the kids in in Sandlot, Tom Geary has had the the best has the has the best you know resume. Like he's been in a lot of movies since then, um, and he's still been in. He's had some like small parts like going on. Like he's a working actor, I would say. Um, he was he was apparently he was apparently in the rev the the Revenant. Did you know that? Have you seen? No, I didn't um, know that. I never, I never saw the Revenant. I'm, you know what? I, I don't like Leonardo DiCaprio anymore. Oh, I said it. There, it's on the record. I don't like him. I, I fuck all you guys. Fuck everyone that sucks his balls. Like I don't like him. What's so uh, good about him? And Tom Gurry is also in Black Hawk Down. I don't know if that. He, I don't remember that movie that well, but I don't know if it was a big part at all. But yeah, he was. He was also in. He was he, in. Oh, go ahead. He was in U five seven one. U five seven one is this awesome underrated World War Two like. Oh my god! You you like U five seven one? It's got like math. You don't like U five seven one? I I like U five seven one on a on a movie basis, but it is like, uh, it's historically terribly inaccurate. It's like one of the worst historically inaccurate oh, movies right. of all time. Anyways, all right. Well, like, have you ever tried to, like, <laughs> if you were ever a storyteller and you only told the truth all the time, no one would listen to your well, story. Well, the, the, the that, funny thing is they made it all about Americans, like, disguising themselves as being, like, on a, um, as a German, Russian, uh, as a Russian or German, German submarine. That was a German, German U-boat. Yeah, right? but, like, it was British people who did it. There was no Americans were involved in U-571 at all. <laughs> so is that, is that, like, the big qualm is the... So, like, guys like your friend Rob and other Brits, like, hate it. They're like, what about us? You know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just know that it's just, like, terribly inaccurate. Anyways, <laughs> it's terribly right. inaccurate. Well, I like. I, inaccuracies aside, I like. Um, so, anyways. Uh, but did he have a big part in that? I don't, I don't remember that movie at all. He was, he was one of the guys. I mean, there's, there's not a ton of characters in the movie. There's, like, there's like eight to ten, like, sailors that you kind of get familiar with. Them. He was one of okay. them. I wouldn't say that he had a big role, though, no. Um, he probably dies in it. Um, but uh, he also, he was in a movie, he was in his his movie following The Sandlot. He was in Lassie. Um, so we're talking way too much. Yeah. Long, we're too talking way too long about this, this guy. Um, All right. Why, who I wanted to say was, I want to go back to Brandon Adams real okay. quick. He was in this awesome horror movie called The People Under the Stairs. He was actually in this movie before The Sandlot, but due to my age, I didn't see it till later. This was one of the few times where I, like, didn't even think about The Sandlot. Like, I actually think Brandon Adams was a really, like, decent actor when he was a kid. He was in this other, like, horror movie about electricity. Um, God, what's the name of it? A Ghost in the Machine. And he was good in that, too. Um, his career kind of died at the end of the 90s. Hasn't done a ton since. But a really solid child actor. I always kind of appreciated him. And I've seen Squint in, like, a, a handful of things, too. Like, he was in Freaks and Geeks. Uh, and him and Porter, Ham Porter, were both in The Green Mile, I think. Um, Squint played, like, the, the bully in, in Freaks and Geeks, didn't he? It was a it was a bully. I'd hesitate to call him the bully. He was kind of an antagonist in a couple episodes, but he was pretty soft at the same time. So he wasn't like a big um, hard ass or anything. But anyway, he. Han- oh, go, go, go ahead. What are you gonna say? Nothing. Go ahead. Oh, and then I've seen Hamilton Porter Ham, uh, and and like multiple like commercials. I remember like watching him, seeing him in like a Mountain Dew commercial. 
Yeah, um, no, I remember that. And he was wearing like a he was in like a convenience store and wasn't he even like a bright colored tank top or something. Yeah, he was he yeah, and I saw and I've seen him in a couple of other commercials and I'm not sure like he's definitely still acting. All these guys are kind of still acting um a little bit. Ham Porter's done a bunch of like uh B horror movies over the years. I've seen him a couple of times actually when I Jill has this weird obsession with making us watch like B horror movies that have like one star that no one's no no one you know is in it, no one you know is affiliated with it, and no one you know has ever talked about it or heard about it or said that it's good. And she has this like undying optimism that because it's a horror movie it's going to be good. And I've been trying to like help you know, grow her out of that phase and it really never ended. So the result is I have to watch shit horror movies a couple of times a year and half the time ham, there's ham Porter. <laughs> um, and, and so, and then the other character, Benny, the jet Rodriguez, that's the, of the kids. Uh, he only did, he did like, he did Sandlot. He did two mighty ducks. And then that's it. Uh, he apparently, he, uh, he, he quit acting and then he became like a firefighter. Um, but I, he was recently like in kind of the news, um, in like local, like Los Angeles news because him and his like firefighter, like, like com- comrades, like beat up a guy, like, at, at, like in a bar fight, like beat up a guy, like near to like near his death. Um, so he's like dealing with that. Oh. <laughs> and he, oh, that's a, sorry, that's not that's a, a pick a rupper. I, I think I, I think I heard somewhere that yeah yeah got into like gay porn. That could just be one of those weird internet rumors. That's like one of those rumors that you your friends tell you like when you're a little kid. Yeah, like, <laughs> like uh, Josh Savino, you know, was Mar- was Marilyn Manson, the kid from the kid from Wonder Years. Like there's a bunch of like little weird things like that that you grow to believe when you're a kid, and you become an adult, and you're like, you know, there's really no proof of that. Yeah, yeah, like he he looks like he's like done some he's he's tried to come back a little come back a little bit in like the 2000s hasn't really ever hasn't ever really amounted to anything and then the other two there's like so there's three other actors that oh, are oh my god oh god oh my god so i <laughs> the kid's name is marty york right okay and i like i like googled marty york gay porn but i was i was accidentally in images instead of all on <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! So I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> Is it true? Oh, um, I I don't I don't think so. Okay. I'm not seeing anything jumping. I, I don't want to click on some of these. Links. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I'm not seeing anything that really stands out to me that says that. Okay, I think that's just one of those weird internet rumors. <laughs> um, so and then the, there's three other actors in this movie that are like, I mean. There, Dennis Leary played the dad. Karen Allen played the, um, the mom, and then James Earl Jones played, um, what's his name? Uh, played Mister Mister Myrtle. Myrtle. So, um, but and they're all just these kind of pushes. It's funny that it's kind of funny though that all these kids have parents, and none of them, no other parents appear in the movie. Um, and so, and it just, it really just focuses on, on the kids, which is, you know, really what this movie's you know, obviously all about. Um, but it, I think it's funny because yeah. like, because Dennis Leary at the time so, was, I would say kind of, uh, he, he, he was a, he, I mean, at the time he was a comedian, but he did what I knew him from was I'm an asshole. 
like this, his like comedy album stuff. Like I watched a lot of MTV and like the one thing I saw, like, and I think I'm an asshole was before 1993, like 1992, 91. And, uh, and I knew Dennis Leary as just being kind of like a shock, like actor. Um, so, huh? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know much about him at the time. Um, looking at, his IMDb credits, The Sandlot was like one of his first roles ever. Oh, really? In like a legit film. So, yeah. So he, he really, he'd done like a short, he was in Loaded Weapon 1, I guess. That's probably, I mean, he probably got into that because he's a comedian and that's a spoof movie. I don't recognize his other title, but The Sandlot was like his, like yeah, his third real movie ever. Oh, yeah, because he's in yeah, Demolition Man, The Ref. Like, yeah. And then he, yeah. And then he was in a bunch of stuff, um, actually. I kind of like Dennis Leary. I think I think the first few seasons of Rescue Me are really good, and then I think it devolved into like a steamy pile of like I don't know existential garbage from like a drunken firefighter and like a drunken Dennis Leary. The thing that's always struck me about Rescue Me is is how many of the episodes he wrote. He wrote like almost every episode, and they were like long, like long dialogue-y episodes. I just couldn't like I I always wondered where the editor was in this whole process because it just felt like he was just going on drunken tirades constantly and just, you know, fighting and fucking whoever he wanted constantly. And it just got, it just devolved into just like nothingness by like season, I don't know, four or five or so. But I did like the first few seasons. I, I, so let's talk about, you, you say how weird was no, it? I, next question. Like, so forget that. Compare, <laughs> compare this film to other like kids sports movies in the hierarchy. Like, is there anything that can even touch it? Um, kids sports movies. Kids sports movies in the nineties. No, in, in general, <laughs> ever. All, of all time. Um, thinking of forever. Throw out some kids sports movies that like would be well, in. You said like, bad I, news bears. I, I really love, I, bad news bears. That's from the seventies. Yeah, but so it's, it's but it's I don't still really... awesome. Mighty um, Mighty Ducks, Karate Kid, Rudy. Oh, I mean Karate Kid is. Is it's more of a teenager. Karate or... Kid is, yeah, it's it's really not a sport. I mean, either, the Mighty by Ducks the way. is not really a sport. There's no ball and there's no teammate. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There for I really like Mighty Ducks. Like they're kind of A and B for me. Like I love Mighty Ducks. Like especially the original. Um, Here's a good one: Little Giants. Little Giants. Um, yeah. We've done Rookie of the Year, Angels in the Outfield, Space Jam. No, eh, that's um, about that's about it. That's uh, those are about all the contenders. There's a bunch of Angels shit after that. Angels in the Outfields, all right, but it has like a really, I don't, and it's also a remake of like an old like '60s movie. Angels um, in the Outfield is a really sweet movie, but you almost have to be a kid or religious to really like it. Right. Um, I really like Little Big League. I thought Little Big League was a really good. Um, yeah, but I would I would argue that only baseball fans really like that movie. I'd say like, like normal normal kids I, I, probably didn't, or his normal kids probably could still like the Sandlot. Yeah, I I think based in reality, like based in like like real like this is the only movie that of all of them actually is based in kind of kind of reality. The one qualm I have with it, and this would be my one little because I was watching it the other night, and I was like. I was watching. It's a scene where they're playing the the kids. Like you know, they have the they have like you play a ball like a girl, and then like 
the next scene is like the next, yeah they they play, they play the, the rivals. rivals and then they just kick the shit out of them and I'm just thinking like you know what that I don't think that could happen but <laughs> not the way it happened in the movie that's what you have that, I just with? like that, <laughs> why not come on you were you were part of some fucking beat downs in your little league sports days weren't you I was certainly a part of them on and why aren't these guys playing baseball like why why aren't they playing little league like well, because they lived on the other side of the tracks. They were assholes. They were like rich kids. I got that, that, but like the houses that they lived in were like nice houses. Like they they were. We didn't even see where, yeah, where you... their houses were. You just see their field. They have their own private field and uniforms and matching bicycles, <laughs> and they're all like. You're right. They probably they're probably from you know somewhere nice. Uh, but anyways, um, but like based in reality, like I feel like um, the Sandlot really. In is like because Mighty Ducks is like I I think is way way too far fetched for me kind of, <laughs> and then I so I and I but I think this movie is just really just really good and it's just and it focuses just on the, the kids like there's no adults like inserting themselves into the the story you know like it's all about it's all about the yeah. kids like Mighty Ducks is all that, that's a that that's a real that's the best point you've made there's. It's really all about the kids. The parents are barely in it. Every one of these other examples, there's some like coach or mentor or dad or something that's like strictly involved and not this one. It's like yep. just about kids. Um, the sequels have, have not seen them. It's like the Goonies play baseball. <laughs> You're, that's true. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the you ask like compare it to the – I mean, uh, not compared to, but the sequel, the legacy, uh, or that's the next question. But like the sequel, like there's, they actually made two other Sandlots, and I don't, I've never watched them. Um, nah, me neither. I just thought it would sully my opinion of the original, like the Matrix sequels. I can't, I don't uh, want to see them. You know, I just love the original so much. Uh, we talked about legacy. So what about what about this? I mean, you know how it goes. Every favorite popular movie of one era inevitably gets remade at some point is the sandlot a good candidate for remake and if they make it how will you react i just don't know how you could re i really like i don't i don't see how you could like it's such a a period piece that like you couldn't really make it look better or you can make it look better i guess but like that'd be it you could tell a different story, like it could be like the Sandlot, but it's just like the movie's completely different, um, like different script. Just like they just take that idea. Um, I just don't think I don't think they would remake it. I don't. I mean, I don't think they need to. But I, you're right; they will remake it. Like in ten years, they will they'll remake it and they'll just because that's all Hollywood wants to do is this they just remake stuff. So like for nostalgia reasons so well it's not nostalgia reasons it's risk aversion they know there's a built-in audience for this shit they know guys like you will take their kids to the yeah i just yeah i mean would would you go see it no i would wait to see what everyone said though like like i this is how i played the bad news bears remake like i love the original bad news bears one of my all-time favorite movies i think it's great i think walter Matthau and those kids are just great and then they remade it and i don't like hate billy bob or anything i'd say i'm probably above neutral i i generally like billy bob thornton but i would i just like said i'm just gonna wait if everyone tells me it's funny or good you know i'll check it out well that didn't happen so i never saw it and i i would 
guess that would be the same result with a remake of really any of these. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think they need to remake it. I don't like, and I don't also don't think they need to like, well, I don't even think they could do this, but like take the characters and put them in today and then like make it like, like I, I, you could. It could be like a Griffey Junior baseball, and and all the kids, you know, live. Now you do. You know what they do? Actually, like, let's talk real here. They'd make it a bunch of girls. It'd be a bunch of damn girls playing fucking fast pitch softball with their favorite, you know, you know, lady softball player who I can't even name. One has her name signed on a baseball, and they hit it over some fence, and it's some other animal. It would be some sort of girl animal, so it wouldn't be a dog. It'd be like you know some exotic, you know, like raccoon or something. If they if they did remake it, I think this is what they did with like the Sandlot two and uh, and the other Sandlot is that they um is that they place it in a different decade. Like they could do it like in the eighties, you know. Like, but I just don't know. I just don't think that's just don't think that's necessary. So. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's not necessary. I mean, remakes aren't necessary. That's not really the point. Can they uh, make money? Yes. And so will they remake it? Probably inevitably, prob- yeah. Probably, yeah. Um, well, well, enough downers for the show. Well, let's, <laughs> let's just say this. If they remake it, we're boycotting it until somebody we really, whose opinion we really appreciate insists that we go see it. How's that? We'll make the, a pact to boycott the Sandlot sequel right here okay. in this podcast. I make a pact. All right, I make a pact. Audience listening right now, do you make a pact? Say it out loud. I don't care like if you're at work or in the library and you're listening right now. Say it. I make a pact to not watch the Sandlot remake unless somebody whose opinion I really, really trust insists that it's good. And then I only do it begrudgingly and, and like a skeptical and I talk shit during, you know, the scenes that are stupid still. If you guys do that, then you can see the remake. <laughs> um, yeah. So well, thank you for listening. We appreciate you taking the time to, you know, listen to our little podcast. Um, you know, as if you could go on iTunes, give us that five-star review. That'd be awesome. Anything you'd like to bring up, Adam, to end this? No, no. We're glad to be back. Uh, we do appreciate the feedback and the interaction. It's really why we do this. So if you guys like it, don't like it, want to see more, want to see less, have a topic idea or anything you want to interact with us, please do. Name some of the ways they can interact with us, Brennan, our, our tags and our email. You can uh, find us on Facebook at the Super 90s Brothers. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Super 90s Brothers. Um, <laughs> at Super, yeah, find us at Super 90s Brothers uh, with the numeral 90s. And then you can email us at Super 90s Brothers at gmail.com. Um, Super 90s Brothers, 90s Brothers, all spelled out. Um, people have sent us emails. People have found us there. You can find our email on our Facebook page as well. Um, so yeah, that's a couple of ways you can find us. So yeah, you like the show, you like you like the stuff we're talking about, you don't like Brennan's beard, like whatever it is, we want to hear it. Like I got my own issues with Brennan's beard. You know, I've grown to overcome it, but you know, maybe maybe, maybe you haven't. Let's discuss it on air. You want you want Adam to get fat again so we can bring back Fatim? Yes. Like we should we should talk about that. Well, there's already yeah. a growing pact to make that happen with my enemies. So if you if you want to be part of the Fatim pact, you know, email us and we'll send you the link. <laughs> so, but thank you again. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we really appreciate it, guys, and we will catch you next time on another scintillating episode. But for this time, it was Brennan Pointer and I'm Adam J. Pitzler. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. 
Peace. <laughs>